0: I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Today, we're talking about how to be a roadmap parent with guest Brittany Bergman. I love the idea of having a rule book, something to tell me exactly how to do things so that I can do all the right things and have a guaranteed outcome. This applies to all areas of my life, especially parenting. But guess what? Life is more complex than that. Our kids are more complex than that. I started out trying to parent each of my kids in the exact same way. But quickly, I found out that that didn't work quite as I expected. That's because my three kids are very different from one another, and not just in their interests and talents, but in their temperament and personalities. My oldest girl is an observer and an internal processor. She often prefers to stay in the background. My middle girl just goes for it. She's an external processor and makes her presence known wherever she can. My youngest, who's a boy, toggles back and forth between both of the qualities of each of his sisters that I just mentioned. Knowing this helps me to be mindful that they respond differently to their environment and that they may have different needs. As I become a student of how God created my kids, I can parent them better and I'll have greater success instilling in them our family's values and beliefs. Today's guest, Brittany Bergman, believes that our children come to us as fully formed humans with their own unique set of desires, needs, temperaments, personalities, passions, and that as a roadmap parent, we can help them uncover who they already are to be roadmaps, showing them the available routes to who they are meant to be. In our conversation, we talk more about this as well as how to strengthen our mother's intuition so that we don't doubt ourselves in our parenting. This week, I want to challenge you to consider... How are my kids different, and what does that mean when it comes to how I guide them through the obstacles they face? I'd love to chat more about it on Instagram or in the Build Your Best Family Facebook community group. Are you ready to start parenting with clarity and purpose? Then let's talk. The free resources I offer are great, and I hope you're using them. But if you want to take it to the next level, I can help with personal insight and support. As a family culture coach, I'm here to help you know exactly what to do as you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We'll use a simplified step-by-step process that will equip you to reach your goals and fulfill your potential together. Head over to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash coaching to schedule a call. Today, I'm talking with Brittany L. Bergman. Brittany is an author who is passionate about telling stories that provide refreshment, connection, and encouragement to mothers who don't want to lose sight of their identity. Her essays on motherhood have been featured in a variety of publications, including Today Parents, Motherly, Coffee and Crumbs, and The Mops Blog. She lives in the suburbs of Chicago with her husband, Dan, and their two children. By day, she is a copy editor of nonfiction books at a publishing house. Her first book, Expecting Wonder, is about the identity level transformation we experience as we become mothers. Welcome, Brittany. It's fabulous to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: So a question we ask all of our guests and that I want you to answer is, what is your family known for?
1: I love this question. And I really had to think about it and tried to think about it from the perspective of other people. I asked my husband to weigh in and what we came up with is thoughtfulness. Mm -hmm. I think I'm naturally a pretty quiet and reflective person, which sort of sets the tone for the whole family and Mm -hmm. for the way I parent my kids. And my husband and I try really hard to lead with thoughtfulness in our parenting stopping to notice our own reactions, which Mm -hmm. we're not perfect at, of course, but it's a place we're always trying to grow, stopping to think about our kids' perspectives, what might be under the surface, what we're not seeing. Mm -hmm. And we try to be really thoughtful about everyone's energy levels and needs because we are, all four of us, very different people with different energy levels, skills, capacities, and trying to make sure that we're honoring each person as we make decisions from you know, what to do and who to see over a weekend Mm -hmm. to what sort of childcare center we're going to pick for our kids and those sorts of things. And of course we try to be thoughtful toward people outside of our family and, and to lead with empathy and really instill that in our kids.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Again, we're not perfect at this at all, but it's something, (laughs) it's something we hope, I guess, to be known for. Yeah. And what are the ages of your kids? My daughter Sayla is almost five and my son Eamon is one and a half.
0: Okay. And what do you guys like to do together? I know they're still young, but I'm assuming your five-year-old is starting to have an opinion.
1: Yes. We love playing outside. We absolutely love in non-COVID times amusement parks. We we're like we are a very quiet sort of family, but get us in a loud, busy amusement park and we are just having the time of our lives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just really simple things, going for walks with our dog, letting the older one ride her bike, going mm-hmm. to the park,
0: just yeah. trying yeah.
1: to get out of the house as much as we can, yeah. Oh,
0: for sure. Yeah, we're all doing a bit of that. We, we're we in New Jersey, and it's starting to get cold, so mm-hmm. we'll see how we transition into winter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Fortunately, most of us also have sort of an opposing love language of snuggling up on the couch with a movie, <laughs> so I think I
0: think we'll make it this year through winter, but... All right. So here, you're here to talk to us about your book, Expecting Wonder. So I'd love for you to start off by telling us why did you write it and who did you write it for?
1: Absolutely. So Expecting Wonder is basically the book that I wish I'd had when I was pregnant. I got the idea for it when I was in early pregnancy with my first child. I mean, we're talking like within days of getting that first positive test because I went looking for books right away. That's how I process any big life changes. I look for the books and I, all I could really find was the what to expect when you're expecting type books or the how to have a healthy pregnancy Mm -hmm. type of things, which are helpful in their own way and serve a purpose. But it also felt like they were, treating me as a medical condition and not as this empowered but uncertain woman going through a huge life change. And they they sort of functioned to increase my already high anxiety and made me feel like I was doing pregnancy wrong by not eating all the right foods or gaining the right amount of weight or checking off the trimester Mm -hmm. by trimester to-do list. Mm -hmm. And I found myself craving stories and friendship sort of to give Mm -hmm. language to all the complicated things I was feeling. It often seems like culture wants us to feel only joyful or grateful when we're pregnant. But I was overwhelmed. I was in awe. I was experiencing sorrow and joy and loss and grief, even as I walked through this pregnancy that I was so excited for and so deeply wanted. And I just was really craving a friend or an older sister type of voice in a book who could say, What you're feeling is valid. This is what I've learned because I've been there too. Mm -hmm. And so I just took a bunch of notes in my pregnancy and eventually revisited those notes a number of years later to shape it into the essays in Expecting Mm -hmm. Wonder. And so Mm -hmm. this book is primarily for pregnant women going through maybe their first pregnancy. But many of my initial readers have been mom friends at various points in their motherhood journeys and they have said that it's still been clarifying and helpful and even redemptive as they yeah. reflect on that journey to becoming a mom because mm-hmm. it's something that's always evolving and unfolding mm-hmm. in us. Yeah. And so I hope it will help moms of any stage navigate that emotional and spiritual level transformation that comes with becoming a mom.
0: Yeah. When I was pregnant with my oldest, I was the only one. I was the first of my friends to get married, the first of my one to first of my friends to have a baby. And I didn't know anybody else that was pregnant at the same time. It wasn't until like those last couple weeks leading up to that we took a couple classes and we met a few other couples, but even then I wasn't having those kind of conversations with them. So this is definitely a book that I would have loved to have at that time. And I can see where every pregnancy is different. And so to even revisit this book in your second or third pregnancy, I think would be beneficial to a lot of people as well. Thanks for that. That is yeah. my genuine hope for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you talk in the book about being a roadmap parent. And when I heard this, I was like, "Ooh, I like this. I don't know what that is, but I like the sounds of it. So why don't you talk to us more about what that is?
1: Sure. A roadmap parent believes that their children come to them as fully formed humans with their own unique set of desires, needs, temperaments, personalities, passions, And obviously, some of these things do develop over time. But Mm -hmm. this idea was sort of in contrast to the way that I thought about parenting when I was pregnant. And even before that, before I really understood the work of parenting, I thought that Mm -hmm. I would be a sculptor shaping my kids or like a painter filling in a blank canvas. And so what crystallized for me when I found out the sex of my first baby, we found out at the 20-week ultrasound. I looked forward to that day for so long because I thought it would just tell me everything about who my daughter would be or who my child would be because I Mm -hmm. didn't know yet. Mm -hmm. And when I found out she was a girl, it just hit me how little I still knew about her. It helped me narrow down paint colors and pick out some cute pink pajamas, which was fun. But all of that was still more a reflection of me and my tastes and my desires and not Mm -hmm. really rooted in who she was. And Mm -hmm. so I realized how much I didn't know if she would end up being introverted like me or extroverted like my husband, if she'd be sweet or spicy or feisty or cautious or fearless, like any number of things. And I realized though, that even with how little I knew about who she would grow to be, it became my desire in that moment to help her know, and discover, and uncover, and truly love, Mm -hmm. love herself. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so then when she arrived, I realized that I was still holding on to some expectations that ultimately the nurture side of the nature versus nurture equation would be much, much stronger. And as I learned to be her parent, Mm -hmm. I realized that there was still so much that I can't predict or control. Mm -hmm. And I think culture kind of sets us up to make our kids external behaviors or even their temperaments and and sometimes Mm -hmm. to be the ultimate measuring stick of our success. And Mm -hmm. so instead, I see it as my job to be a roadmap parent to discover who my children already are. And as I was pregnant and raising my daughter, discover who she already is, Mm -hmm. who God made her to be. And then, showing her the available routes to get to like the best version yeah. of that of
0: who she already is, yeah, yeah, I do love this. When I first read that, I was kind of like, "Well, what do you mean? Like of course we're supposed to shape them, but like I, I think we there are things we can teach them and equip them with, and values and beliefs that we can instill in them, but that's not mm-hmm. shaping them. and so like I, I really appreciated the way you explained it because. There's things we can pass on to our children. There's things that we can teach them how to manage the world. Mm-hmm. But if we're going against the grain of who they are and who God created them to be, then we're not gonna have an easy time with it. We're not gonna be successful. And I think, and having having older kids and having tried to do it all, if you're so busy trying to shape them, I think what you're gonna find is is resentment and bitterness and even a break in the relationship. And that's not what yeah. we want as parents. Yeah. So I really Absolutely. appreciate that. And For I sure. think
1: maybe a way to think of it is that like, we're given the raw material, you know, we still have influence over the ultimate yeah. direction and the shape, but we can't, we can't change that raw material. And like you right. said, it's futile to try.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. It's been so good to get to know my kids in every stage. And I, and I am learning because I, of course in the beginning, I want everything to be equal and I want to parent everyone the same. And then I realized, wait a minute, but you're not the same. Like they respond to different things. They just respond to different love languages, different consequences. And I was like, oh, I mean, it complicates it a little bit, but I think it's so much more effective. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the things that we can do and that you've done to help uncover who your kids already are? I think the main way
1: we help our kids uncover who they are is by listening and by being students of our children. Which is a position of humility and sort of Mm -hmm. contradictory to the power dynamic of the parent being the expert Mm -hmm. all the time. And I'm not saying that kids should be in charge of the house or that parents (laughs) never set boundaries, (laughs) nothing like that. This is purely a discovery and an unfolding of who the Mm -hmm. child is in the world and seeing ourselves in partnership with our children in discovering who they are. So I think, again, the key to that is being students of our children, observing them, learning from them, Mm -hmm. following their lead from you know, this is made up of a million small moments and interactions, everything from noticing how our newborns like to be held, what they need to be able to fall asleep. I remember Mm -hmm. in the first few months of my daughter's life, I even had expectations for how she would want to be held. And I tried to force her into those expectations. You know, I wanted to cradle her in my (laughs) arms. I wanted to lay her (laughs) on my legs for that perfect Instagram picture. And she had none of it. She only ever wanted to be held over my shoulder, like a sack of potatoes, looking out at the world. And she just wanted to be there for hours and hours and hours, which was exhausting. And I did not cater to that all the time because I couldn't, but (laughs) it was noticing little things like that, that sort of set us on this journey. Mm. And then to bigger things as they grow, what are your child's strengths and weaknesses in social interactions at school, at home? Are they quiet? Are they energetic? Are they sort of different versions of themselves around people, around Mm -hmm. one person or five people or a big Mm -hmm. group? In what situations do they bring out their best? What situations are challenging for them? And sort of what do all of these little things say about how they're wired? And I think it's just by stepping back to notice that we can uncover Mm -hmm. who our kids are at their core.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I even now see with my kids, I can look back and be like, oh, they were always like this, or they always had this trait. Or I, you know, I remember when my oldest was in kindergarten, like she has some of the same qualities. I don't know if that's the right. She's, why, she's wired the same way. Like it, the, nothing's changed. And maybe how we navigate things and the the what it looks like has changed, but it, you can trace back things about their personality, about their preferences, just about how they respond to things all the way back to when they were young. And mm-hmm. where from where I'm sitting. I can definitely see that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have definitely seen that particularity uh, <laughs> in my
0: daughter. <laughs> just blossom over time. (laughs) I know. I know. As you were even talking about like the way you were holding your daughter, you know, my mom, when I first had my first child, you know, I was so hungry for someone to tell me what to do. And she's like, don't hold them too much. Or they're going to expect you to hold them every time they want to fall asleep. And, and of course I was trying to do the right thing by trying to balance it and not to, but like she, could have been in my arms forever and would have been completely happy. And that's okay to recognize that and respond to that. And then of course, by the second child, I'm just like, come on, you're coming along. And like, but she was a little bit more like on the go, legs always moving, having to go places. And Mm -hmm. so adapting to that and even the way they were feeding was completely different. And I had to sit longer with my second than I did with my first. And, And just adapting, I think is so important. And I think again, going back to like how extraordinary your book is, We want someone, we're so hungry as first time parents to do the right thing that sometimes we can get caught up in the rules. And so understanding people's story and hearing and really focusing on our experience and being expectant that our kids are gonna lead the way in so many ways is really, really healthy and really good. I think for future relationships with our kids, yeah. Okay, so what does it look like to show them the available routes? to who they are meant to be.
1: I think it's a part of this is encouraging their gifts and interests and really being in it with them, whether they love art or climbing or nature or dinosaurs or any other million things is, you know, studying, noticing what lights them up and then getting involved in it with them, doing everything you can to support and encourage those gifts and interests and strengths. And really taking them on as our own because I think kids can sense it when, you know, there's, there's a difference in attitude between like, here, go explore this and I want to explore this mm. with you. Yeah. And then I think taking it even deeper than interest by noticing and affirming how they lead and what they're motivated by. Mm -hmm. Are they advocates for fairness? You know, is that a consistent pain point with you as the parent? Mm -hmm. I know that my daughter is in a really big fairness phase. And so I think looking at those sort of pain points and those friction points that Mm -hmm. we're constantly butting up our kids in a specific way, what might that actually tell us about how our kids are wired? Mm -hmm. Do they lead with empathy? Are they, do they ask just crazy insightful questions? Do they challenge everything you say? Even the most frustrating of traits can be clues to who our kids are. Mm -hmm. And again, that doesn't mean that we don't have, like that we shouldn't as parents try to influence those in a way that creates good in the world and Mm -hmm. is for their own flourishing. But I think that that's the starting place of learning to parent them from a place of discovering and harnessing and influencing who Mm -hmm. they are using that raw material to help them become the best they can be. Rather than, like you said, going against the grain to try to control our kids and their behaviors or these specific outcomes or even shape them, Mm -hmm. pigeonhole them into who we want them to be. Mm -hmm. So practically with my daughter, that looks like keeping her stocked on art supplies and trying to find that right balance of supporting her to build her skills because she's so interested in art but also not intervening too much and hindering her learning and exploration process.
0: Yeah, You know,
1: listening to her rhythm, following her lead with learning new skills and doing scary things. It takes her a lot of time to work through her fear and anxiety about things like learning to ride a bike, starting a new school, interacting with friends. And she even needs time to warm up with friends she's familiar with. And I've learned over time that she needs a scaffolded release into independent play, even with people Mm -hmm. she's familiar with. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I just want her to be like the other kids and run out there and play with no, you know, with abandon, but it's not up to me. And so trying to study her sort of have my core voices, like the parenting experts that I listen to and really trust so that I can learn to support her growth without coddling, Mm -hmm. noticing and validating that she cares about fairness and needs order and thrives on routine and struggles when things get disrupted. And again, finding that balance of validating and supporting those things because it's helpful information for me to know about her. And none of those things are inherently bad, but Mm -hmm. it also alerts me as a parent. And part of being a roadmap parent is helping her To see these things about herself, appreciate those things, use those Mm -hmm. things, and to learn flexibility as the antidote to disruptions. Mm -hmm. And so those are just a few examples. But I think this all comes back to the practice of listening and studying our kids. None of this gets downloaded into our brains the minute we become moms. It comes slowly. It comes from learning from our kids one moment, one cry, one meltdown one response at a time and I'm still learning about her. I don't think I know my kids inside and out yet. And no. that means the work of being a roadmap parent is never done because the map is being revealed to us as we go along too. Mm-hmm. I just think that sometimes our kids have like too zoomed in a view. And as parents who have lived, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, we have the hard-earned perspective of being a little bit higher up as we look at that map. And we can allow, you know, we can kind of light the path and guide them on their way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that I've definitely struggled with wondering why my kids couldn't be like other kids. And it's not that I'm unhappy with them or dissatisfied with them. I think they're absolutely wonderful. But every once in a while, they'll come up against something and I'm like, my immediate response is to think of so-and-so's kid who just did it or so-and-so's kid who had this all figured out and didn't need to be like prodded and pushed. And, but instead going, okay, whew, stop it right there. What is it that my child needs in this situation to overcome the obstacle that they're facing? And, uh, you know, I don't know, do we ever, does it ever come naturally? <laughs> I think we're always going <laughs> to be like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a trap we all fall into. I mean, because, it's easy to want to label our kids too and Mm -hmm. say, oh yeah, we're this type and this type. And I think that gets dangerous too, because that's not all they are. They may very well be artistic, but they could be so many other things as well. And so I don't ever want to limit them by even what I see in them because God's got so much more in them that he hasn't even revealed yet.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. Even at at our very best trying Mm -hmm. to study our kids, we will never have the full picture. Like God yeah. has the full picture of who they are. Yeah, and that's sure. so humbling to know that we can do our best and we still only see a small slice mm-hmm. of, of what he has in store for them.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. So a lot of moms doubt themselves when it comes to parenting. So how can they learn to listen to their mom's intuition when so that they can be focused, have clarity, or at least not clarity, but like a sense of direction and listen to that instead of all the competing voices that might want to come in and steer them in a different direction.
1: Yes, that is so important and definitely has been a pain point for me in motherhood. I'm not a woo-woo kind of person. And for a (laughs) long time, I wrote off intuition and mother's intuition as being too out there. And I was kind of afraid that it had just skipped over me entirely. This, I never felt like I had this maternal instinct or mother's intuition or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But it was through the process of pregnancy, birthing, and raising children that I've come to think of mother's intuition as a muscle. It's not this disembodied, mysterious, magical force kind of floating around out there. It's also not a light switch that just gets flipped on in us as soon as we become mothers. It's this muscle that we build over time. And I think the main way that we strengthen. The mother's intuition muscle is through attunement to the bodies and the needs and the personalities of our children. It's the listening and the studying and observing that we've been talking about today. And I think as we more deeply know our kids and ourselves, the more easily we can sense when something is off, even if we don't know why yet, or we can more easily sense what our child needs in a given situation. And again, I think mother's intuition comes from knowing ourselves too. Mm -hmm. What are our core values and motivation? What is our vision for our families thriving? Who are we as individuals and as a family unit? And because I've identified and defined those things for myself and in conjunction with my family, my mother's intuition now, you know, five years later Again, this takes so much time. I know pretty quickly when something is aligned or not. Anything from a child's interaction with another family member that maybe rubbed me the wrong way, or again, trying to figure out which child care provider, which child care center, what schooling situation is right for each child. And you know, I can definitely sense it even when we need either more connection as a family or maybe actually a little less connection, a little
0: less togetherness. (laughs) That's
1: clear too. And so to listen to your own mother's intuition, I think it starts with knowing yourself and learning your kids. And so when those other voices come out, and they do, we can ask, does this resonate with me? You know, this piece of parenting advice, this thing that I heard in a podcast, this this book that I'm reading to try Mm -hmm. to unlock, you know, the mysteries of parenting, does this resonate with me and who I am and who my family is? Do I feel good about this? Is something off, even if I can't quite name what it is, is this aligned with who I am and who we are? And the more we practice that process, and I want to emphasize practice because practice means we're both going to get it wrong and we don't need to beat ourselves up about it and we get it right and really take a minute to congratulate yourself when you do, the stronger that muscle gets and the clearer the voice of your mother's intuition becomes over time.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's some fantastic encouragement.
1: Thanks. I hope it's helpful.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for being here with us today. This has been really, really helpful. And I'm I'm excited about your book and sharing it with others because I definitely think it's a book that I would have loved when I was pregnant. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> thank sure. you. That means so much to me.
0: You can find Brittany at brittanylbergman.com. She's on Instagram as Brittany L. Bergman and on Facebook as Brittany L. Bergman. I'll link to all of this plus her book in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave a review? Besides sharing this episode with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.